Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. May the Lord bless to us this reading. There are five verses uh, before us uh, today, and I want to leave us with five key statements. They're, They're really very very full verses, but uh, you have to you have to um, settle on uh, on something, and and we've got five statements uh, which I trust will will once again stress some of the powerful gospel truths that the apostle was writing here to the Galatians. Remember, Paul is contending with the Galatians for the supremacy and uniqueness of the gospel. And he's doing so against the background of the arguments of these Judaizers who were trying to recruit the Galatian saints to a hybrid gospel, which Paul says was no gospel at all, uh, but it was a mix of law and faith. By which they say righteousness and holiness could be obtained before God. So for these Judaizers, for these legalists, these troublemakers in Galatia, for them justification was a blend of Christ's work of cleansing laid as a foundation and our own works of obedience built upon that base. Sure, they said, you can start off by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, they probably said you have to. But afterwards, you need to move on to a higher plane. You need to deepen your spiritual experience. You need to enter upon a more devout and devoted lifestyle of submission and separation in order to be wholly consecrated to the Lord Jesus. This was their argument. And let me say, it's a very enticing argument. We, we, we shouldn't think otherwise. In fact, it, it might be said that we need to be resolute in defending against that argument. We, we need to be contentious for the truth because 
it has got its attractions. There's no doubt about it. Remember, these Galatians are true believers. The Apostle Paul speaks to them as his brothers and sisters in Christ. And they are anxious in that capacity, in that state. They are anxious about honouring the Lord. They're eager to do the will of God. And so when someone comes along with a pedigree, someone comes along from Jerusalem and offers you a 10-point improvement plan to please God and gain his approval, it sounds good. It excites the natural inclinations of the old man. It tempts our pride. It makes true believers who are deeply sensitive to their sin and their unworthiness hope for a path to greater peace and deeper truth. And works righteousness and self-righteousness are the most potent drugs in the devil's toolbox. But it's a foolish and it's a damaging notion. And this is why Paul asks in verse 3, we didn't read verse 3, but in the verses that lead up to our passage today, he says, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? And he sets out five powerful gospel truths that believers should and indeed believers do know. But sometimes we get tempted to forget. And the first one that I want to draw your attention to is that seeking righteousness by the works of the law brings us under the curse of the law. You see, what Paul is stressing here is that the law does not make righteous. It sets the standard for perfect obedience and it measures how far short we fall. And to the extent we fall or transgress, which means go across the lines that it sets. To the extent that we fall, the law declares us guilty and it brings us under its curse of shame and blame and condemnation and ultimately death. It separates us from God. And the law will always judge. And it will always find guilty until it discovers perfect obedience and perfect holiness. And that in every aspect and every degree. By nature, no man or woman can attain to such holiness. Therefore, all men and women are under the curse of the law and guilty before God. 
So the first thing that the Apostle Paul stresses is that seeking righteousness by the works of the law brings us under its curse. And then he goes on to say that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. And it's as if he is endeavouring to both emphasise his point and contradict these Judaizers. So he says it as clearly and as simply as possible. God does not employ the law to measure righteousness because no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is used to measure unrighteousness. If there is such a thing at all as righteousness with God, if Abraham was declared righteous with God, if Abraham had righteousness imputed to him and was accepted by God, it was not by the law and it was not by his personal obedience. The law measures unrighteousness. It does not measure righteousness. In the sight of God, who sees and knows all actions, all thoughts, all words and motivations, who searches the hearts of men and women, no mere man is holy, righteous and justified. So Paul says, why? Would you put yourself under the curse of the law and under its condemnation when there's no acceptance, when there's no peace, when there's no comfort or joy to be found in it? The law will merely prove to be a heavy yoke with no rest included. So he's drawing these points to the attention of the Galatians. He says that if you seek righteousness by the works of the law, it will bring you under its curse. He says no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. And then he goes on to say that the just shall live by faith and that the law is not of faith. Therefore, these two things are not compatible. Paul goes on to tell the Galatians how a completely different measure of acceptance is applied with uh, applied by God with respect to righteousness and justification. Now they knew this. They knew this to be true because they were believers, but they were forgetting. And Paul quotes Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 to prove that What he is saying was nothing new. It was not any new teaching. It was what he had taught them from the scriptures when he had been with them among the Galatian churches. The just shall live by faith. The Old Testament believers knew those things to be true. God's elect are justified in Christ by God and live in the joy and peace of that blessed state by faith. That is by trusting in the success and sufficiency of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you remember last week we spoke about this and we asked 
the uh, question. Um, I think I, I entitled that sermon, uh, What is it in Galatians 3 verse 6? But we were speaking of the fact that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. But remember what we said about that. We learned last week that it is not the exercise of faith that justifies. We're justified by Christ upon whom our faith is fixed and by whom we live in the light of God's goodness and pleasure. We receive the experience of mercy and grace. And Paul's statement here that the law is not of faith isn't a criticism of the law. It's a distinguishing and separation of the roles of law and faith. The law serves its role and purpose when it is used lawfully. However, trying to obtain righteousness by it in the sight of God is an unlawful use. The law has nothing to do with faith in that sense. It does not ask for faith. It does not require faith in Christ. It does not ask or require that we live by faith for righteousness. It's the gospel that reveals the righteousness of God and the Lord our righteousness by it. And it's the gospel that directs and encourages men and women to trust in the Lord our righteousness for salvation. The law takes no account of faith. It does not see it. It does not measure it. It does not encourage it or nurture it wherever it is found. Everything to do with faith comes from the gospel and comes by grace. The law requires doing. Faith inspires trust and belief and rest and reassurance. The fourth thing that the apostle shows us is that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. And here, the success of Christ's work on the cross and the precious value of his blood is emphasised. Redemption is the work of Christ to satisfy all the demands of a sinner's debt and duty and obligation to God. The law's curse against our sinful nature and every subsequent transgression that we performed lay heavily upon the elect of God just as it did upon every other sinner of Adam's fallen race. Death, the wages of sin, is the curse and condemnation of the law. But Christ died for his church to take those things away. He suffered the curse of the law for us. And here, 
we find the great doctrines of substitution and suretyship come to the fore in the apostles' teaching and the representative offices of our Saviour who stands in our place and in our stead are here clearly in view that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And that's the good news of the gospel. That's the message of mercy and grace. This is what Christ has done. And it's that truth that informs our faith and feeds our hope and gives us confidence for eternal life. Let us never forget that Christ took our place and became a curse for us. This aspect of our Saviour's work was transactional. A debt was due and a payment was made so that there is no longer any debt. There's nothing that remains outstanding. And it would be wrong for a believer to even try to add anything or pay more because in doing so, it's an implicit denial of the sufficiency of the work of Christ on the cross on our behalf. And that was the gospel that Paul preached. It was the gospel that the Galatians had initially received, believed, and by which they were blessed and comforted under Paul's ministry. Their blessings and their comfort was at risk under the teaching of these false professors whose doctrine denied the success and sufficiency of Christ. And therefore Paul returns to his example of Abraham's faith to remind his Galatians friends about this last point today. The blessing of Abraham has come on the Galatians and on all Gentiles through Jesus Christ. The blessings of the gospel, the comforts of the gospel and peace and fellowship come through Christ. Abraham never had these blessings because of his obedience to the law. But by faith, the faith of Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ. Every spiritual blessing comes to us by God's grace and comes to us in Christ. Every need we have, every obligation, every debt is satisfied completely in Jesus Christ. That was Paul's gospel. And it's what we mean when we speak about preaching Christ. It's not merely that we preach about Christ, though we certainly do, nor even that we mention his name and what he has done. It is that we preach how all our standing, blessing, holiness, acceptance, comfort, peace and joy come to us in and by and from and through and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There is an error. There is an error today. And it's not new. And it says 
We begin with Christ for justification at conversion and we go on to perfection and holiness and sanctification by our own obedience and dedication and commitment to living godly lives. Whole denominations base their views and their teachings on that lie. Courses are run, books are written, and men and women are tempted to look away from Christ to themselves for the deeper things of God. I trust we shall not now or ever be so deceived or tempted to follow the mistake of the Galatian believers and having begun in the Spirit, try to add our own works to complete our salvation. God forbid. Amen.